0: Listen, we're obviously doing something special today. And I'm not really the guy to talk about it as much as um, a friend I'm about to bring up here. But I want to say thank you for being here. And thank you for um, being part of the Crosswalk family. We've, we're, we're all doing the same thing today all across our campuses. And all our campuses are having the opportunity to hear from my friend, Pastor Bernie Anderson. I'm going to ask him to come up here real quick. Let's give him a warm Crosswalk welcome, can we? Bernie, thank you for being here. Bernie, um, an Adventist pastor who worked with World Vision so much that they just decided to hire him. And so now he works with World Vision over in, um, I almost said Atlanta. I'm all over Orlando. the place right now. Orlando. Yes, um, House so of the mountains. Bernie, thank you for being here with us. I'm going to hand the time over to you and just appreciate your word to this congregation.
1: Thanks so much, Tim. Pastor Tim. Hey, crosswalk. I love, I just, I'm so excited, I've, I've been a little giddy, I haven't been able to sleep because there's like three hour time difference, so I just lay awake at night and just kind of think about crosswalk, and you have coffee, and I'm, I'm at an Adventist church, where am I? This is, what is this? Uh, and so i become, I'm like, I'm going to be like your, like the guy that's going to go out and say, let's put in more crosswalk all across the country, could you get on board with that? Yeah, more crosswalk, Yeah. More Crosswalk, more coffee at Adventist churches. I just offended somebody. Somebody's offended right now. But it's all right. It's all right. No, I'm, I'm just excited, honored to be a part of Crosswalk today, the family. I have been, I've been Christian stalking Crosswalk, your story, your whole, your whole movement. I am, I am all about this expression of the kingdom of God. Let it come. Let it come. Bring it. Bring it, baby. All right. Now i got to preach. Come on, let's do it. All right. No, so good to be with you. It's just, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. And today, today, we're doing something, as Pastor Tim mentioned, all across all of your campuses, across the country, and uh, it's going to be really special. Um, I love the value that you have here about loving well. And uh, just a little bit, Pastor Tim will be back up, and just we're kind of partnering together today to invite you into a space to love well. Um, I want to start with a real quick story and then get into a passage from the book of Luke, from the gospel of Luke. When I was a, just a little kid, just a little guy, probably seven or eight years old, I watched my mother do something that was actually really quite amazing. I'd never experienced anything like it before in my life, and um, I, it still ha- it is, it has shaped me in many ways as an adult, this experience that I watched with my mother uh, years ago. She, um, my mom has always been a nurse from when I was just a little kid, I remember my mom being a nurse. I remember my mom being in nursing school. And, and so I just remember that's kind of always what I've known her as. And even to this day, she's still, she's still a nurse, I think about 40 years or something. And, um, but I remember we were at a funeral for a, a distant loved one. Who had passed away i had no idea who this loved one was but we were required as the family to go and be there little country church in rural arkansas it was during the summer it was really really hot there was no air conditioning in the church the windows were all up there were fans going um it was a it's an african-american experience of a funeral and so there's like there's no time limit on it at all. It's like, it could just go. And then when it was done, it was done. But it, it went on for hours. And like I said, it was hot. And it was just a very emotive experience. Lots of weeping, lots of wailing. Any of y'all ever been to an African-American funeral experience? Oh, a few. <laughs> y'all better pull up next time and ch- ch- check that out. Anyway, so it was, but that's what, that is a very emotional experience. Um, uh, out of, out of, you know, at the funeral, and so um, I remember being there, and it was at the end of it. We everything sort of closed, uh, come to an end. There's an older gentleman making his way out of the the small little church down the center aisle, and he collapses. He just goes down. I'm not, like two pews in front of my mother and I, and my mom immediately goes to this gentleman's aid, and, and right away, I mean, she's just like right there, she's kind of assessed him, and she begins to do, this is years and years ago, right, so if you're a medical professional, I know this is probably not what you're supposed to do these days, but my mom did what was called back in the day, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, right, so she literally like gets down there, she pinches the nose, she opens the mouth, clears the airway, all that stuff you're supposed to do, and she starts to, she presses her lips on his lips, and she like she like starts to do the chest compressions and and everything and i'm sitting here my my eyes are wide open you know i'm just like going, oh, wow and in the there's this look there's this little stream of saliva i kid you not coming out of the man's mouth and i'm just like uh-uh no mom you have gone too far there's no way and but my mom unfazed completely unfazed she is like she is going to work she is she's doing everything and, and she got him back. She got him breathing. And by the time the paramedics and all the medical people got there, he was put on the gurney. He was, he was breathing. And he was, he was good. And as far as I know, he lived to be uh, even older, right? And so, <laughs> even older. <laughs> it's, but that left an, just an imprint on my soul, man, because I watched... I watched something so profound and so powerful. And it's kind of shaped the way I see ministry. It's shaped the way I even see people and people, especially vulnerable people, right? Um, And my mom taught me in that moment. She discipled me, if you will. She discipled me on mercy and compassion and how what it means to serve vulnerable people. So from that story to this day the way it shaped me as an adult I come up with this basically this statement when it comes to serving vulnerable people to serve those who are in need we must respond with intimacy and action. All right? In order to serve vulnerable people we must respond with intimacy and action. I want you to think about Go back through me with the story again, what mom had to do. She had to see what was going on. She had to get up from her seat, and she had to go near, and she had to be with. She had to get all in that man's personal space in order to save him. CPR, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, does not work from a distance. Doesn't work. She had to get really, really intimate so much so that she pressed her lips against his lips. I mean that's just that she was right there. And then she had to she had to take the appropriate action to serve and to save and to help the man who was down and in need. And she did that. She leveraged what she knew to take action to serve someone who was vulnerable and in need. And that has forever sh- that has shaped me and has, has influenced my ministry even to this day. I'm convinced that if we're going to be the church and if we're going to be Christ followers, we cannot do it from a distance from people. But in fact, we have to move close. That's why you call this crosswalk village. That's why you call crosswalk as a community. Because communities are meant to be, we're supposed to be close. And that's that's especially true when it comes to the heart of God. I think it's a really beautiful reflection of the character of who God is. God is not a distant God, but in fact, he's a God who wants to be near and intimate. Think about when he created Adam. He formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That's a very intimate picture of God forming man and blowing and getting, and then, and then the, the, even that, that chapter of creation where it's, um adam and eve they you know bone and my bone and flesh and my flesh it's a very intimate relational sort of imagery that the bible paints you get to the new testament and the gospels and jesus is all about being with these people a whole bunch of sinners and he just gets close to them jesus isn't turned off by drool Jesus isn't turned off by the ugly and the vulnerable and the broken and the people who are on their backs and the people who are are desperate and and don't know what to do next. Jesus is actually attracted to that stuff. He wants to be close to. He's not, I mean, that's that's intimacy. And then God, aren't you grateful that God's a God of action too? Because we've all had our drool moments too. You got a testimony. I know you're Adventist, but we have testimonies. You just don't, you're not allowed to talk about them a whole lot, right? But at Crosswalk we can, but there's your you have your story of being on your back. You have your story of being desperate and broken and vulnerable. And the only person that you could cry out to was God, was Jesus. And He came to you, He responded to you. You were not attractive. Nobody wanted to be around you, but Jesus did. Listen to this passage from Psalm 12:5. I have seen violence done to the helpless, I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them as they have longed for me to do. And God, especially, has an ear turned towards the poor and the vulnerable in our world today. God especially is mindful and his heart is for the poor. And he sees and he rises up And he moves toward, he's not turned off by it at all, but he's drawn to it because he wants to act on their behalf. He wants to rescue them, pull them out of the circumstances that they're in. And the cool thing is that Crosswalk, churches, just like yours. God invites us to partner with him and to come along for that journey of moving close to and intimacy with the vulnerable, the broken, and the poor. And we need that in this world today. We absolutely do. Um, when I came on and was hired by World Vision, you get to learn, you, your, your perspective on the world is shifted a little bit because you begin to have to think out about you know, more globally. And some of the data that I was exposed to just kind of wrecked me, just broke, crushed my heart. And one of the pieces that was most significant to me was this, this piece of data. About a thousand children under the age of five die. Because they drink dirty water. They get diarrhea and they drink dirty water. And they don't have proper sanitation or hygiene. A thousand kids every day in this world where we toss bottles of water around like it's no big deal, clean water all the time, right? A thousand kids every day under the age of five they get diarrhea we can solve those issues very easily where you and I live over 800 million people still lack access to clean drinking water in our world today that's insane we should just solve that problem and then because of the impact of COVID we're all aware of COVID uh, the for the first time in 30 years we're seeing an overall increase in extreme poverty those that live on less than two dollars a day the number of people in our world today that live on less than two dollars a day has increased because of the impact of covid so i want to take you to a passage a passage a story that jesus told a parable that jesus taught um, from the gospel of luke and it'll sound familiar you'll you'll know it but i want to read the passage then we'll back up give a little bit more context and then see what jesus is trying to teach us and i think you will hear i want you to listen to i'm going to cue you i want you to listen for intimacy and for action. So here's the passage, Luke 10, 33 and 34. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So what happens before the but a Samaritan? What's going on? little bit of context. Jesus is teaching, and he's approached by this expert in the law. Some of your translations will say a lawyer, but it's not like a courtroom lawyer or anything like that, like you and I might imagine. But this is an expert in Torah, in the the Jewish law. And so this expert in the law stands up, and he asks Jesus a couple of questions. The first question was, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What must I do, essentially, to be saved? That's a pretty important question. Jesus responds by, basically, inviting him to think about it a little bit and say, hey, well, you are an expert in the law. How do you interpret the Torah? How do you interpret Scripture? What must you do to be saved? And then he quotes back from the book of Deuteronomy and the book of, uh, the book of Leviticus, the expert in the law does. He comes back and says, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yes, very good, that's right. Do that and you will live. But then the expert in the law, the lawyer, has another question, a follow-up question. And it's from this question that Jesus launches into the parable of the Good Samaritan. He says, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And th- then Jesus, Jesus says, Hey, well, listen, there's this story. There's a uh, there's the story of a man. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And that man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, On that road, he fell among robbers. He fell among robbers and they beat him up and they robbed him. They stole what he had and they left him for dead. And then Jesus describes how there were two religious people uh, a Levite and a priest that came along. And that Levite and that priest came along, and they surveyed the scene. They could see the drool, the open wounds, and it was highly unattractive and not something they wanted to get involved in. So they went around the other side. They literally just kind of went all around the other way. They took another path around and didn't get engaged. And then it comes to the passage that I just read to you. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, listen again what the Samaritan, but a Sam- Sam- Samaritan saw... He could see, a Samaritan saw him, he took pity on him, he went to him, he had to get close to him, he bandaged his wounds, he, put on the, he poured on the oil and the wine, then he put the man on his own, own means of transportation, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him, and then he left his credit card for incidentals. <laughs> that's, what, that's how Jesus describes what the Samaritan Did And then Jesus comes back around and he has a couple of his own questions for the lawyer. The first being this, understand this, lawyer guy, which of these three was a neighbor to the man? This is Jesus' question back to the lawyer. Which of these three was a neighbor to the man? The lawyer says, well, the one who had mercy. And then Jesus in this beautiful mic drop moment says, go and do likewise. Boom. (laughs) you got to love Jesus, just really straight to the point. There are some things that, you know, you may, you wring your hands over and you wrestle with it on interpretation and so forth, and Jesus is like, no, just go do it. I just described to you what it's all about. Just go and do that. And so World Vision has kind of been, we've taken that to heart. For the last 70 years, we've been going and doing just that. We've been getting close to, we've been get, getting intimate with contexts where there are vulnerable and poor children in particular. Children in contexts that are very fragile. In fact, that's, that's kind of our technical term that we, that we use. We, we've been operating for about 70 years, operating in roughly 100 different countries. And some of those places are considered fragile where es- essentially the environment exists where children cannot flourish, they cannot. Um, live out their fullest potential in those, con- in those contexts because there's governmental instability, there's, there's, they're being blocked from access to, to clean water and other necessities that they need to flourish. And so world vision is present there, those fragile contexts. We work in a lot of other contexts too. But what we do when we go to those contexts, the, what we want to present, what we, the message we want to convey is obviously the gospel, but we're representing the gospel in this way. And we want to begin to shatter this false narrative because what the, the false narrative that exists in the culture and in the world is that if you have less, you are less. If you have less, you are less. And we come along, and what we want to do first and foremost is we want to see. We don't want to just look at the devastation. We want to see the people. And the way you see is you, just, you simply affirm the inherent dignity of every child in every community where we operate. We just want to say you, you are an image bearer of God. Regardless of what you don't have or what you do have, you are an image bearer of God. And then we want to partner with that community and we want to partner with churches like Crosswalk. We want to begin to reverse the broken circumstances there. Those are our two big things. Affirm the inherent dignity of the people in that community, of the children, and then begin to reverse the circumstances. not enough for us just to see it and we got to affirm the inherent dignity if we want to work to transform that community into something where children in particular can flourish. That's what. That's what we do, and it, and I I love it, and it's been in that. It's been in this relationship of my work. I know they call it a job, but I don't feel like it's, it's just ministry. It's just kind of what we're called to do. But in that context, I've been able to meet a little boy by the name of Lumino. Lumino is 16, he loves soccer, and when he grows up, he wants to be a teacher. And my my wife and I sponsor Lumino for $39 a month. That just automatically comes out of our account. It serves him and his community. And uh, with that $39 a month, I mean, Lumino gets, um, he gets access to clean water, he gets education, he gets healthcare, and there's economic development for the community that he operates in. And the beautiful thing about the model, how World Vision, how we do our world class development work, is that when you sponsor one kid at World Vision, that means four other children are actually impacted by that sponsorship. It's unbelievable. It's so, so powerful. And so today at Crosswalk, um, one of the most significant ways, one of the most powerful ways you can begin to move close to, move close to and begin to sort of be intimate with and begin to reverse those broken circumstances is through child sponsorship. So today I'm actually inviting you to sponsor a child. And specifically in the country of Uganda. And specifically in a couple of communities uh, in Uganda. Those communities are called Bude Colomba and Busariba. Colomba, and Busariba, two communities that World Vision has been operating in for some time, but two communities where right now there are literally hundreds of kids available for child sponsorship. And I want to invite you, everybody here, um, to become a child sponsor, to move close to a community in Uganda. And uh, typically how I would do that, uh, normally I would invite you to go out into the lobby and you see a big old display with clothespins and strings, you see, uh, you've probably seen this at concerts before, you see a, like a little packet with a picture of a child on it, it would have that child, what country they're in, it would have their age and their birthday. And you go, oh man, that child has the same birthday as my kid, I'm going to sponsor that child. And uh, that's kind of how it would go down. But we've changed some things. God's sort of been speaking into us at World Vision. We kind of begin to ask some of these questions not long ago, Um, what would it take or what what would we need to do from the very beginning of a relationship, a sponsorship relationship with a child to affirm their inherent dignity Um, and what would God ask us to do as we want to serve vulnerable children, what would God ask us to do to affirm that inherent dignity from the very first step in a relationship with the child and what if we kind of reverse the whole thing, what if we shifted the power dynamic that exists What if we could do something completely different with child sponsorship? And so um, we began to think, and God spoke to us. We began to ask the question, what could we do from the very beginning of the relationship? And what if, in fact, a child that lives in extreme poverty were empowered to choose us? Watch this video.
0: right? Every time it gets me. We started talking about this partnership with World Vision because of the flip, because of the change. Because I think in these processes, there's often the sense that, okay, we're going to go in and, you know, us as the people who have, we're going to go and we're just going to fix things and, you know, we get to write a check and that's going to be great. And it always bothered me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But Bernie, when you talk about, when you talk about they get to choose you, you know, as... As Christians, we live lives of being chosen by God. You didn't choose God before you even knew you needed God. The Holy Spirit was working on your heart to give you that revelation and that understanding that there is a God who has chosen you. And today, we're going to ask you to be vulnerable. We're going to ask you to go outside, and rather than with the power that you have in your capacity, take a picture and you know, choose a child. We're going to ask that you're going to go out there and take a picture. And then Mike, Rynus and I are going to get on a plane tomorrow and we're going to fly out to Uganda. And we're going to be at the choosing parties where the kids are going to see pictures of you. So take a good picture. <laughs> like, don't get weird with it. Make the best side. Make it... Someone asked me, what happens if a kid doesn't choose you? I'm like, what were you doing in that picture? But we're going to be there while the kids choose you and we're going to meet them. So be nice to us because we're going to be like, are you sure, buddy? That's the one. No, I'm just kidding. And then next week we're going to come back with all of their pictures having chose you. And you're going to walk out and see which child walked into a room and said, that's the person? You know, and this is not, I mean, it is, but it's not about the money, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't even be sitting in this room if $39 was an issue for you. It's about the opportunity to help lift someone out of that poverty. That, and I'm, that's extreme poverty. And help lift up their community. Because it's not just the child, right? It's the community. It's the people that World Vision hires in country. Nationals who are there to help lift up the community. Education, better water, better hygiene. All of that goes towards it. You know, in the end, I don't think it's about us saving kids. I think in the end it's about them saving us. They open up our hearts, that commitment that we make, that sacrifice that we make. They open up our hearts, they open up our minds to the global poverty crisis, to the opportunities that we have to serve. And we vetted all the organizations that are out there, and World Vision is the one we wanted to partner with. They've been here for 70 years. God placed, God placed it on whoever it was that started World Vision, placed on their heart that that, that we as Christians in first world countries should be serving. And so we're going to ask you to do that today. And all the capacity that you have and all the the incredible blessing that God has given you, we're going to ask that you serve the least of these. And the reason why we put it here at the beginning of our momentum series is simply this. If you want something to have momentum in your life, just like it says in that Luke story, you have to go and do. You don't build a house until you lift up that first rock that's on the ground as you're clearing the area. No, know you know what I'm talking about. You don't Get momentum moving on a ball until you kick it. You have to do something. And we wanted to start this momentum series as we talk about God building momentum in your life, God building momentum in your ministry, God building momentum in your, in, your, in your community. We wanted to start with you having the opportunity to do something. We could have done it at the end as a culmination, but we wanted to do it at the beginning to know that you are making a choice to move in to the Momentum. Right, you're choosing to be vulnerable for that intimacy that you'll have with that child, but it's action that you're being called to today. So there's a process of how we do this. I'm gonna ask Bernie to come up and walk us through it. And those of you online, we want you to watch too, because there's an option for you to engage in as well.
1: Very cool, yeah, so Crosswalk, um, you're gonna pull out your smartphone. Um, You pull out your smartphone, we have a keyword that we need you to text. Um, the keyword is uh, CW Redlands, CW Redlands. So you put the, the number you want to put in that you're going to text is uh, 56170. You may even have this, but it's 56170. You're going to text CW, CW Redlands, the 56170. Online community, you're in this. You're you're part of this as well. You're gonna text CW Online, CW Online to five six one seven zero. You're gonna get a link back. On, click that link. It's gonna pull up a place for you to put in all your personal information, uh, your credit or debit card information. Um, you put all that in. The first question it's gonna ask you is how many kids do you want to sponsor? There's no limit. Um, you can you can go all in, right? Um, but you can sponsor as many kids as you want. You'll get the, that option to pick there. And uh, just if you're competitive, in the first service, we had one family do five. I'm just saying. So, um, you know, but um, no, it's, it, that's so 56170. If you're in the house, in the room, CW Redlands. If you're online, you want to go uh, CW Online 56170. If you don't have a smartphone, if you don't have a phone on you, we have um, we have volunteers and we have our team out in the lobby. We have iPads that we can use. We can get you signed up right now today. I promise you that. And um, I'm so, so, so excited that uh, Pastor Tim and Pastor Mike are going to be at the choosing party. It's the coolest thing in the world. And I'll give you a little bit more info on my sponsor child, Lumino. So I, two years ago, I got to be on the ground in Zambia for a choosing party. And um, it was also at a Seventh-day Adventist church. Which, by the way, Crosswalk, you're one of only a few Seventh-day Adventist churches that are launching Chosen, uh, that have launched Chosen. And here's the thing again, if you're competitive, I think the highest number we've ever received at a, at a Seventh day Adventist church is like 135. So I'm just saying, I mean, 300. I mean, if you hit, I mean, this, anyway. So, so anyway, but that little boy, that little boy chose me. Lumino chose me from Chosen. And get this, I was a number one overall pick, y'all. I was, <laughs> I was like, Never been chosen first or anything in my life, but that little boy chose me. So I'm praying. I can't guarantee you that you'll be number one. But I can guarantee you that you're going to be chosen. They're going to see you. They're going to they're gonna see you. They're going to sit down at that choosing party after they see you and choose you and write you a letter. And that letter is going to crush you because they're going to talk about why they chose you. You look like my grandma. Or you look like my uncle or my cousin or my sister. They're unbelievable, these letters. So. Thank you so much, Crosswalk. Thank you for your heart. You have until 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Don't wait, though. I mean, there's just some things that God's, I mean, mic drop. Go and do it. Go and do it.
0: You said the the largest one, 135? Yeah. All right, across our campuses, we've already hit 140, so. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh. but here's the thing. So we, there's about 1,700 people that meet in seats for the, through the Crosswalking Network, um, plus another about 1,000 people that are online, give or take, you know, depending on how long they, they watch and that sort of thing. Um, so the number that we chose throughout all our campuses is 300 this year. And um, we're already almost all the way there. But when you think about those numbers, 1,700 plus online, that feels low to me. So I want this church, Redlands, to hit 300 today. I want us to pick 300 kids that are 300 opportunities for kids to choose us. And I know that's going to happen. First service was phenomenal. I know you guys are going to give in as well. And um, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a church that when this opportunity came up, we thought, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's do that for two reasons. Number one, that's just the kind of people you are. You're part of this church because this is a church that gives back. We love this idea because it was something all of our campuses could do together. And the reason why I thought we could do it is because every single one of our campuses and this campus included in a powerful way serves our local community and our local needs as well. It's not just about doing something across the country. It's about being present in our community as well. So both of those things happen in our families here. And I want to thank you for that. The way that you give, the way that you serve, the way that you open yourself up to opportunity, the way that you seek intimacy and move towards action is incredible. The momentum that God is building through you is just beautiful. So thank you. I want to pray with you today, and then we'll send you out into the lobby to get those pictures taken. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord of grace, we are so thankful. We're thankful for the way that you chose us. And Lord, we're going to take an opportunity today to be vulnerable once again. So Lord, as we take these pictures and we take these stories to these children in Uganda, Lord, I just ask that. I just ask that the way be cleared, it's a a blessing as far as travel goes, but also Lord that, that we bring with us the hopes and dreams of those who want to serve. And Lord may every single one of those children know that they are loved by you and may every single family and every single person that commits today for this opportunity may they know that their lives are being changed and even perhaps saved, their hearts are being renewed and recharged by the love of a child as that child walks into that room, looks at all these pictures of all these different people all the way across the world, reaches up and chooses them. Lord, I just ask that that be a blessed moment that changes every single one of our lives. Lord, thank you. praise your name, and we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Crosswalk Church, thank you for worshiping with us today. Thank you for being with us for this opportunity. And thank you for the way that you continually give locally here for um, Crosswalk Church as well as your tithes. We appreciate that. If there's anything that you want to pray about anymore, our prayer team will be right here up front to pray with you. And lastly, we want you to do the one thing that you do just incredibly well, and that's to go and love well. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.